1937, Lutheran pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer suffered several major setbacks in his ministry. The seminary he ran at Finkenwalde was shut down by the Gestapo. Many of its, parent, its pastors and former students were arrested. The funds of the Confessing Church, an organization started to resist the Nazification of the state church, were seized, and it was forbidden from taking collections. But in an ironic twist worthy of John's gospel, these setbacks are the reason we have one of Bonhoeffer's most beautiful and accessible works, Life Together, a lovely little book as it was as Christian community was attempted at Finkenwald. Main takeaway, Christian community is not an ideal, but a divine reality rooted in Jesus Christ. Christian community is not an expectation, but a deeper reality than we can imagine. That means that our expectations of what Christian community ought to be are often toxic to the well-being of the community itself. They're based on an image rooted in the self, not in the Christ who became flesh and formed community among a group of flawed men and women. In one of the more memorable quotes from the book, Bonhoeffer writes, those who love their dream of a Christian community more than the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. The community that Jesus forms is not built on disembodied dreams or unrealistic expectations, but on his love for us, shown most clearly in his crucifixion. As Jesus hangs on the cross in our reading from John, we see him forming a new community, entrusting his mother and the beloved disciple to each other. We've been on a long journey these last few weeks as we've gone through John's passion account. Finally, we're at the end. Back in chapter 11, religious leaders conspired to kill Jesus after Jesus raised Lazarus because he wields the power of life over death, and they fear what will happen once the Romans will catch wind of it. An indifferent Pilate puts Jesus on a Roman cross with the charge king of the Jews, a title Jesus never explicitly claims. Most of his disciples have abandoned him. The crowds so adoring on Sunday are nowhere in sight on Friday, replaced by the religious leaders who want him dead. The community that Jesus formed is broken, scattered by the brute powers of religion and the state. And yet, even in his darkest moment, Jesus loves those who belong to him. In John 13, as Jesus prepared to wash his disciples' feet, John tells us, having loved his own who were in the world, Jesus loved them to the end. This moment right here is the end. It appears that Jesus is finished, yet in reality, Jesus' ministry has been fulfilled. Jesus' mother is at the foot of the cross. She's still unnamed in John's Gospel. We haven't seen her since chapter 2 at the wedding at Cana. 
In a way, this is also a wedding feast, a very odd one, as Christ the bridegroom forms the nucleus of his beloved church in this moment. But what a strange, bizarre wedding feast it is. There's wine there, but it is not the flavorful vintage he created at Cana, but the bitter wine given at the point of death. There are guests at this wedding, but instead of joy, there is surely a swirling vortex of shock, grief, or rage. His mother is not only losing her son, she is also losing any means of support or protection she had. Joseph is likely long dead, and for whatever reason, Jesus' brothers are nowhere in sight. But an unnamed disciple is also at the cross. The only one there, the one whom Jesus loved. At that moment where Jesus confronts the terrible powers of sin, death, and the devil head on, where all false hopes and expectations for his ministry have been dashed, he cares for those whom he loves. Staring death in the face, he is still fully present to his mother and to his disciple in that moment. And with them, he forms the nucleus of a new community, the church. That's where it begins, at the foot of the cross. He tells his mother, behold your son. To the disciple, he says, behold your mother. In this new community called the church, family is not identical with blood ties. Rather, it encompasses those ties and goes beyond them. It's no accident that family is such a beloved and complex metaphor for the church. Here, Jesus is creating a new family, a new community rooted in himself. And because this community is rooted in himself, and not in human expectation of Jesus or of the faith community. It ultimately leads to life. There are a lot of expectations out there, folks, out there if folks have a church community. We all have them. We might like the service to be just so or for the staff to be a particular way. When I was a first-year seminarian, I had all kinds of expectations of my colleagues and professors, expectations that were absolutely not grounded in reality. And just as those expectations were thankfully shattered by reality, the realities over the past couple years have also shattered our expectations of the faith community, probably long overdue. The only thing that really matters we're learning is that we're rooted in the Christ who gives life. That is the one thing that matters. And Christ is always forming community, even when our unrealistic expectations threaten to shatter it. Just as Jesus said to his mother, Behold your son, and to the disciple, Behold your mother, he says to each one of us, Behold your brother, Behold your sister, Behold your sibling. So remember, we are the new community of Christ, formed at the foot of the cross. 
we are formed at the fulfillment of Jesus' earthly ministry, to be the continuation of it, to love one another as he loves us. And death doesn't mean the end for this community. No, in Jesus Christ, death becomes new life. Let's pray. Lord, even in your dying woes, you love those who belong to you. Renew us and all Christian communities that in moments of suffering and death, we may find new life. Help us to continue to love each other as you love us. Amen.